0: It was the heyday of high school basketball, and he was the ambassador. Games weren't games. Games were events in the mid-90s, and Felipe was the reason why.
1: The 90s in New York City had so much talent in basketball. (laughs) And he was the guy. (laughs) It wasn't even close, man. He was LeBron before LeBron. That presence.
2: Felipe walking into the gym would be like Jay-Z walking into a club. Everybody turned their heads and said, it's Felipe.
1: He walked on the court and even before he did anything, you knew he was gonna just destroy everybody. He was a rock star. He was a legit rock star in this town that had so many other rock stars, but none of those rocks were
0: shining the way Felipe was. He was the mayor of Washington Heights, prince of the city. He was the king of New York. When I was in high school and obsessed with basketball, Street and Smith's Magazine used to put out an issue every year where it listed the top 100 high school basketball players in the country. I can remember scouring it for my name. Never saw it. My junior year, I was sent to the prestigious five-star basketball camp. Five-star at that time, was the premier destination during the summer for any high school basketball player. It was where you could be recruited. You could change your college future. It also was there that I witnessed in person on the court a prospect that at the time was destined for college and NBA greatness. His name was Felipe Lopez. Growing up here in New York City, Felipe Lopez was so good at basketball, people compared him to Michael Jordan. But he was also a symbol of hope, a hero for immigrants and plenty of others back in the Dominican Republic. As a teenager, Lopez moved from the DR to New York, where he became the top-ranked high school basketball player in the country. The impact that your presence on the basketball court had for the Dominican community here in New York. And I'm wondering, how did that affect you, having so many people put so many hopes and dreams and expectations all on the shoulders
1: of... A high school kid well you know what uh when you talk about sports and you talk about latino right away the first thing that comes to your mind is baseball yep so you know i, I was that unicorn <laughs> i was that one kid that out of the blue spanish and you know that it kind of came into the scene pretty fast you know by my fourth year in the united states you know people still trying to get you know everything together trying to get an acquaintance with the with the uh, way of life out here, and I'm going to cover Sports straight.
0: When I went to the camp, it felt like Lopez was the second coming of Michael Jordan, who also had attended Five Star Basketball Camp. It was run by a part-time gambler and basketball legend, Howard Garfinkel, or Garf. My fondest memories was the camp was located up in the Pocono Mountains, where during the day, it was sweltering 90 degrees and above. They used to feed you powdered milk and eggs. Then at night, in your makeshift cabin. And then at night, in your makeshift... And then at night, in your makeshift cabin, you froze to death with the Pocono Mountain chill. It was a bit odd. I still have nightmares of Judy Garland's music, as that is what Garf played at 5 in the morning to wake up all the campers to start the day. Welcome to the world according to Garf. That's G-A-R-F, as in Garfinkel. Howard Garfinkel, as in basketball. In the big business, high-pressure world of college basketball, there are those who contend that Howard Garfinkel is the E.F. Hutton of the sport. When he talks about a recruit, a room full of coaches will fall silent and listen. Here at Garf's five-star camp in the Poconos, he's done a masterful job of bringing together the investors those college coaches around the country with the commodities the cream of the crop of the young basketball talent in America. Lopez appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the Hudson River and Statue of Liberty as the backdrop. He was a Bronx product. Lopez chose to attend St. John's College in Queens. The 6'6 swingman had so much talent that many journalists felt that Lopez would bring back the Big East basketball conference single-handedly. This Sports Illustrated cover before Felipe Lopez played a minute of college basketball was all based on high school scouts in the summer basketball circuit. He was called the Dominican Michael Jordan. I read a quote from Lopez in a Bleacher Report article written by Vincent Thomas in 2014, where he stated, and I quote, it's crazy, man. There was a lot of pressure. Sometimes it felt like people almost expected you to change the world let me ask you you know now we focus so much on stardom you were Houted as the next great star. You were going to break all the records. You were going to be the Jordan, perhaps even better. Was there ever a part where you got a sense that maybe that wasn't in the cards for you? And how did that affect you, given all the hype that you had to live with? I think broke a couple of records. No, I know you did.
1: <laughs> I know you did. No, no. no you, you, know you had a great career. It, but... it was honestly, it, it was just something that we, it was just coming really, really fast. Mm-hmm. You know, just being considered the number one player in the nation, and and my whole purpose was just to be recognizable, just to be a accepted into a society that I basically was just being introduced into. You know, the whole system, the whole American life, it was brand new to me. The only thing that I knew how to do well was play basketball and making sure that by the end of the game, I get somebody to tap me in, the, in my shoulder and say, good job. You know, so all that expectation that happened off the court, I was not really reading too much into it. You know, I would feel that, you know, people could put expectation on you, but for me, my expectation was just to make sure that I did not fail everything that I was doing in school and also in, uh, in the basketball court. So
0: what was it like for you when you stopped feeling that tap on the shoulder about how great you're doing? And when you stopped hearing all the accolades about you're going to be the next great NBA star?
1: Well, you take a dive. Mm. You took a dive in the sense that, you know, the same people that was writing great things, great articles about you. Now they honestly, they degrading you. You know, it it kind of takes a little bit of a toll, especially being in New York City. You know, and and the whole purpose was to carry the same success that I have in high school into college. And when that doesn't happen, now you are the fool.
0: Like Victor Wembañana, Lopez grew up outside of the United States in the Dominican Republic, which has always been a hotbed for baseball, but not basketball. When he landed in the United States in the eighth grade, Lopez couldn't speak English. Unlike Wemby, who I've read started to study English in middle school by watching American television and social media videos, Lopez was an immigrant story, and inside the Latin community, he was more than a hero. He was a legend. What made Lopez's story vastly interesting was at that time, New York City basketball was back to being the Mecca. Lopez was in the same class and time period as Ray Alston. Kareem Reed, Stefan Marbury, God Sham God, and Zendon Hamilton, all great players. These guys were playground and high school legends, but Lopez became the anointed one, the prospect to end all prospects. He may look like just another kid from the projects, but to his community, he's like royalty. And to his family, he could be a ticket out.
2: <laughs> to it right now. The best high school guard I've ever seen. And look where he at now.
1: Right. Come on, you got to give him Stay respect, man. Nine. He's the next hope. He's the next Jordan to us.
2: And he said, Mom, are you proud of me now? I said, Yes, Stephon, I'm proud of you. <laughs>
0: Pressure on Lopez and the expectations as LeBron before LeBron just never panned out. This past week, I came across a deep dive into Wemby in the New York Times, written by journalist Tanya Ganguli. The title of the article was, Victor Wembayana has always done things differently. Has he really? He's only 18 years old. Inside the article, there were some interesting quotes that give us a tad more insight into Wemby the person. Let's call it the intangibles that any scout or coach wants to hear. That he has a good head on his shoulders, is aware of the moment, has two parents who have shielded him from the media thus far. His coaches describe him with superlatives of having a very large basketball IQ and understanding the importance of being a great teammate. I was trying to think in our media-fractured environment, what is the equivalent of the Sports Illustrated cover that Felipe Lopez was put on? What is the version of mythmaking that was created for high school and college superstars like Zion Williamson? Is it Brian Windhurst on ESPN and Zach Lowe devoting a podcast episode to you? A great hot take from Michael Wilbon? Is it a TikTok that goes viral? Or is it this New York Times think piece? As the NBA basketball season starts this week, I'm sure the story will evolve in different ways. One of the things that makes the Wemby anointing interesting is that there is another player right at his heels. His name is Scoot Henderson. And that is next time
2: on The Prospect. Scoot is also can't miss. I was thinking about can't miss... Swing guy like guard types like him. You can see it. He got hurt in the second game, unfortunately. But in the first game, um, the aggro quality of his game is just really jarring. Like guards aren't supposed to carry themselves like this. It's very Ja Morantish, but he feels like he's just a little bigger than Ja. Um, He showed every single conceivable piece of an offensive game. He could shoot. He could drive to the basket. He's a really good passer. So, you know, Luca. I was in on Luca that whole year. Derrick Rose, Memphis Derrick Rose, I think I was probably a little higher on than others, but um, just athletically, just clearly belonged. And then Iverson in 96, I would say it would be the three. I'm not counting Zion because he was more of like a power forward than a guard swing guy. But, you know, every time these guys come in, there's always like a couple things you can you could poke holes at, right? Like even Paul Pierce, who was a really good college player, but he fell to 10 and it's like, is he too slow? What is this? Ray Allen was another one. I Ray Allen was a like, can't miss. This guy's gonna come in the league and average 20 points a game. But it was like, ah, can he create his own shot? Scoot's gonna have the ball a lot and he's gonna be awesome.